Chapter 2 Work as a Good Thing Karen is a school teacher and mother. In both areas of working, she is conscious of what it means to do good work. Here she describes one particular situation in her teaching where she became conscious of God doing his good work, sometimes in spite of her best efforts. She says, Recently, I was given a Year 11 Christian Studies class. I walked into the room and was immediately disheartened. The girls sat with their backs to me, mobile phones out and earphones in. They were negative, disaffected and antagonistic. That year of teaching was a huge, exciting journey of getting through to and building relationships with the students and trying to be creative in ways that engage them in their own context. God was faithful. He showed me that he had a heart for those girls. And even though they were antagonistic, what I had to share with them was more important. So I had to get my act together. I had to put effort into those lessons and I had to engage them. And God taught me how to trust him. Sometimes my best lessons were totally disrupted by God. You know, when you have those technological issues, when you go with a grand plan and the carpet gets swept out from underneath you, at those times, God showed up and did a much better lesson than I could ever have planned. That journey with those girls was amazing. It came to a point where, after two terms, they would come in expectant. They would start to ask me questions and we got on to speaking about relationships and suddenly it was a time of opportunity. I got to the end of it and I just felt like God was smiling down on us. During the last lesson, I told them, God loves you and he has an amazing plan for you. His plans are good and you can trust him and his ways are best. You could have heard a pin drop. Their hearts were open. And God had done that work through me. I really miss that class. And the girls tell me they miss it as well. That was a special time for us all. God works. In Genesis 1, we see God the worker creating the world. Here God is bringing things into being out of nothing through his powerful words. He creates three kingdoms in the first three days, light and dark, sky and sea, and the earth with its flowers and plants. In the next three days, he establishes rulers of these kingdoms, the sun, moon and stars, the birds, fish and land animals, and finally, human beings. So the material world was brought into being, and it was good. In fact, By the end, it was very good. The sense we have here of good is everything being as it should be. The right thing, pleasing to God, an outworking of his will and character. God takes delight in his work as a good thing. Regent College's R. Paul Stevens has said it perfectly. God not only authored work, but he himself was a worker. Throughout the Bible, we see different images of God as a worker, namely as a shepherd in Psalm 23, potter in Jeremiah 18, a physician in Matthew 8, 
a teacher in Psalm 143, a vineyard dresser in Isaiah 5, and so on. God is as active and creative today, creating, sustaining, redeeming, and consummating, as God was when this 5 billion light-year universe was begun. God gives us work to do. Very quickly in the Bible, we get a critical description of how God wants humankind to join him in the working. Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 28 say, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the creation mandate for humankind to be involved in the ongoing work of imagining, laying out, ordering, filling in, and being abundant with all the resources God has given us. All the words that are translated here in the passage may have negative and sinister overtones, rule, subdue, multiply even. But that is a consequence of the abuse of our role as sub-creators with God. Eugene Peterson talks about dominion as a responsibility in the message translation. Stewardship is a more helpful term, perhaps, and this invitation to become involved in God's work is offered to men and women. The connotation is that human beings are to work in relationship with God, with the land, and with the creatures to bring forth even more good, beautiful, admirable works and wonders. Have a quick glance at Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. God makes things that aren't just inherently good or useful or functional. They are also beautiful. The fruit of the tree was pleasing or a delight to the eye. Our work should have an aesthetic dimension. Also, God works with us. We see the creation mandate played out further in Genesis chapter 2. God first laments that there is no one to work the ground in verse 5. Then he invites humankind to join him in the work that needs to be done. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. From this we infer that human beings were actually created to work with God in the garden. In verses 19 to 20, he invites Adam to name the creatures. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Familiarity with this passage may obscure the significance of the invitation to name what God has created. Names in the Bible invoke identity. Abraham becomes Abraham. 
ancestor of a multitude. Jacob becomes Israel, one who wrestles with God. To name something, you must know it intimately and have authority over it. In effect, Adam was giving each creature its essence. Note that the first work was tilling the ground, that is, physical work. This second sort of work is intellectual and creative. In both we see God choosing to work with us. In fact, looking back at Genesis 2.15, the roots of the Hebrew words for work the ground and keep the garden are avad and shamah. These words are actually the words used later for serving God and keeping his commandments. The priests in the temple were serving or worshipping God, avad, and they were keeping the commandments or keeping the boundaries of the law, shema. Hence, our work is a means of honouring God and showing him our obedience. It is an act of worship. Our ongoing work with God. Albert Walters in Creation Regained describes the ongoing significant work that human beings must do following the creation narrative. He says, this is not the end of the development of creation, however. Although God has withdrawn from the work of creation, he has put an image of himself on the earth with a mandate to continue. The earth had been completely unformed and empty. In the six-day process of development, God had formed it and filled it, but not completely. People must now carry on the work of development. By being fruitful, they must fill it even more. By subduing it, they must form it even more. Mankind, as God's representatives on the earth, carry on where God left off. But this is now to be a human development of the earth. The human race will fill the earth with its own kind, and it will form the earth for its own kind. From now on, the development of the created earth will be societal and cultural in nature. In a single word, the task ahead is civilization. Work is not simply a means to an income. It is about stewardship, productivity, fruitfulness, relationships for the good of the world and for the glory of God. However, most of the world's population needs to work to live rather than live to work. For them, work is a constant struggle. It is much easier for those of us in wealthier countries to see that work is good since it is the source of much meaning and purpose for us. We need to remember that for us, choice is a precious thing. It is a luxury. To summarize, we have learnt these three things about the good of work. We are made in the image of a God who takes delight in his work as a good thing and our work as a good thing. Secondly, God chooses to work with us and chooses us to work with him. And thirdly, God wants us to use our good work as a means of honouring and serving him and others. For the prayer, I'm going to use basically Psalm 90 verses 14 to 17. Loving God, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. 
Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes. Establish the work of our hands. Amen. Taking it further. Firstly, how do you see your working as part of the creation mandate, the ongoing and creative filling of the earth? Secondly, is all work good? How would you define the good of work? Thirdly, in John chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus talks about his father and he working and continuing to work. What sorts of work is God still involved in, do you think? And finally, what difference does it make thinking of your work as a good thing? 